Welcome to The Long Box of Darkness, a podcast exploring horror in comic book form. I'm Misty Graves. And I'm Herman Lowe. Join us for a look inside The Long Box of Darkness. Long Box of Darkness, episode 21. This is Misty and Herman back with another show. Um, and after a momentous occasion, which we were still celebrating, we'll get into that. But welcome back, listeners. We're glad that you decided to tune in again. And um, we're happy to be here for you with some horror. And we're doing it more regularly from now on, I guess. So uh, first, let's get things out of the way. Misty, how have you been? Hi, Herman. I've been good. It's been a lovely week here in uh, Wisconsin, mm. and it's been warm, and uh, there's a new light shining oh, on yeah. the land of America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love. I, I. It's so interesting that when we started doing these weird wars, mm. uh, we did the first one pre-election, and. Uh, there and when I chose Weird War, it was because I was having all of this anxiety about the America becoming a war zone because everybody's so um, polarized, you know. Yeah. And so I'm like, ah, oh, how do I deal with all this anxiety? Well, let's let's look at let's read some Weird War comics <laughs> and just, you know Excellent. go into a controlled environment where we can learn lessons and participate safely and. Maybe there'll be like some answers or some meaning we, uh, that can be gleamed from all of it. And so the first, the first issue we read, pre-election. Now this issue is post-election, and it feels a little bit different. I'm almost like I don't, you know what? I can put the war comics aside because I think it'll be okay for now. I'm going to go back to reading, not war, but plague comics we'll go back to read the plague comics <laughs> <laughs> plague comics again yeah i mean why doesn't poe write a sequel from beyond the grave to the mask of the red death we we, we need that to deal with our angst <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I'm, i know exactly what you mean misty for our listeners tuning in a little bit late this is going to be part two of our weird war tales our dc comics focused episode where we look at the those wacky weird war issues published in the 70s and 80s by DC. And, um, you know, like you say, it's very appropriate because the stories we did in the first, uh, in part one, was definitely, I mean, similar, but also, you know, like I say, filled with lots of worries and, and, and you know, concerns of, of you know, the, the times that we were living in then. But now suddenly there's a bit of a sea change, right, Misty? So I'm looking at this comic a lot more optimistically <laughs> Because now, you know, it's not just a possibility that, you know, the bad guys are going to get what's coming to them. It actually, it is going to happen. And it, yeah. the same with this comic. Like, I'm not going to be, hopefully, you know, and I'm going to knock on wood here, but I'm not going to have to, this isn't our future, you know? Yeah. I won't, I won't have to um, seduce any Nazis into their demise. <laughs> And you you won't end up um, playing battle replaying battles with toy figurines until oh, you're up. Oh, 
Good call. Good callback. Good, good <laughs> reference there, because that's what we're definitely going to talk about later. <laughs> Old guys, you know, reliving battles with, with toys. You know, I do that sometimes with my action figures that's standing on my shelf here. <laughs> no, never. So, um, Misty, yeah, let's get into this. Uh, listeners, listen to part one, but you don't necessarily need to. If you want to hop straight into this um, episode first, that's fine. Um, during part one, though, we did give a bit of a history of the title Weird War Tales, which is one of um, our favorites, right, Misty? So that you might benefit from that if you decide to, to go back. And um, we're not going to do that this time around, right, Misty? We're going to assume that you already know, since this is part two, uh, what Weird War Tales is and uh, what it represents and you know how it came to be. Um, I will mention, though, that this is, again, as ever, the anthology format that Weird War Tales was known for. And uh, this time around, um, issue 82, which we're doing, um, I think last time we did issue 64. Uh, this time around, 82, again, features multiple tales, three tales, just like the first issue we discussed uh, a month ago. So, you know, that's our preferred format. Am I right, Misty? Yeah, yeah. We love these short little tales of uh, horror um, with some with a heavy heavy impact, you know. But eight pages at the most, and then they get their you know their message, their plot, their art, their brilliant art in most cases across. And uh, you know we love discussing this kind of stuff. We're not just going to do that, obviously, but we've done that a couple of times already, you and I. So um, we'll we'll graduate to long form comics soon. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I just I love it, horror anthologies so much. I'm such a like a person who, when I go to a restaurant and I know what I like, I'll order the same thing every time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of like that with comics, um, but I actually have been branching out a little bit re- recently and starting to get into some newer titles, um, which are not anthology but could be. Maybe, but maybe, I don't know, let's see how many pages this is. It actually is. It's maybe. too many pages to be anthology, but I'm, 30... can I tell you what? Yeah, sure. Uh, it might be so 32. I've been, yeah? I, I actually, I haven't read it yet, but it's this comic called Slow Pokes by Steve Urena. Oh, or you, I'm not familiar you... with that. No. Who's the publisher? Do you know? Uh, the, is it Dark Horse or Dynamite or... An independent, probably. Arena, art by Juan Romero and lettering by Sean Reinhardt. I'm hope I'm saying that right. And I don't know if I'm not sure who's publishing it. If I think it might be self-published. Oh, okay. But actually, and I haven't even read it yet. I'm just really excited to read it. But it's not an anthology comic. It is a horror series. Wow, Misty, that is a a big deal, especially for you. (laughs) Yes, taking the step forward. Yeah, well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with with, with what we've been doing, but, you know, we might, to to please our listeners, you know, I mean, we've we've had calls in the past for stuff like The Sandman, which is a massive undertaking, you know, Saga of the Swamp Thing, all of those things, which we'll get to. Um, but um, I'm glad you're taking those steps. Uh, of course, we'll we'll stay in our comfort zone for now and do these anthology comics. But you never know, listeners. Look forward to Misty finally saying, "Okay, Herman, let's do this." 
<laughs> oh yes. Also, I've read. I also started reading I Zombie, like the comic of I Zombie. Oh, that's a classic. Mike Allred. I love. I love that artist. Uh, Mike Allred, and that's such a good, good comic book. I, I'm not a fan of the TV series, but the comic book definitely. I mean, I, I shouldn't say not a fan. I mean, my wife loves it, and I watch it with her. It's okay, but the comic mm -hmm. book is so much better just because of the art. It's like pop art almost, pop art horror. <laughs> yeah, there's so much style and flair. Like we should maybe do an episode on. Oh, definitely. I found Definitely, yeah. I would I would like to do that. Allred yeah. is a god. I love Mike Allred's stuff. Let's do that, Misty. Okay, you've heard that, listeners. Hey, we've we've done some some, you know, um, future podcast planning right, you know, <laughs> here on the podcast live. Well, not live, but you know, you've you've listened to it. It's it's uh, on the books now, Misty. We got to do it. I could always edit it out, <laughs> but I'm so lazy when it comes to the editing part. I might just leave it in. Leave it in. It'll be a good reminder because I'll listen to this episode and I'll be like, oh, yeah, we we should do that. Yeah, yeah. And we need more listeners to also give us some feedback and say, hey, didn't you guys promise something way back when and now you didn't deliver? So are you going to deliver? So yeah, I need more of that. Do like eyeball horror or uh, yeah. horror? <laughs> eyeball <laughs> horror. Ugh, I don't know, Misty. I, I'm not going to commit to anything on, on air <laughs> when it comes to that. I always like... I also always like to go seasonal and we could do some if I don't know if we could turn it around fast enough and do like turkey and Thanksgiving horror. Um, well, I mean, Christmas coming up. So I know that there's some really great short anthology horror that takes place during Christmas and like holidays. Oh, no, so. definitely Christmas. We yeah. got to do Christmas. You know, we missed yeah. last Christmas, the Christmas uh, horror episode. But, you know, if you want uh, some good Christmas horror, you can just as well listen to you know, midnight the podcasting hour, and they they always they're always on the ball when it comes to seasonal horror. But you know, this time around, I've I can just as well mention this now, Misty. Like midnight the podcasting hour, one of my favorite horror comic book podcasts, and also a supporter of the Long Box of Darkness, Ryan Daly, being the host from the Fire and Water Network. He's recently, you know, um, uh, released his final episode of that. Um, I think it's episode thirty one of midnight and uh, it's the end of the show which is very sad for me so you know you and i might have to we might have to do the christmas horror episode this year because i don't know if anybody else will be doing it oh uh, yeah at least not comic book related horror you know so oh, yeah it's well, sad then we'll do it and listeners if you have a favorite christmas horror story that's in comic book form let us know I'd love to, you know, maybe read some and just mm. talk about Christmas horror sh stories. I think it's so it's so fun because they tend to be really campy. You know, you get that really <laughs> great combination of like the cheery elements of Christmas combined with just horrible things happening. Yeah. Um, Oh, so I yeah, Christmas horror is it's a really great genre. <laughs> yeah, it's a genre. It's I mean, it's a horror sub genre. At least in film, it is. So why not? Why can't it be in, in comics? So we got to talk about it. We will. We will, listeners. Totally Tentative I promise. I there's like a famous EC story, isn't there, with that, that yes. has actual Tales from the Crypt episode based on yes. it? Yes, yeah. Or it's from the Darkness. Maybe it's been re maybe it's been remade a couple times, but, it's, you know, <laughs> that famous one with the axe murderers on the loose and yeah. the woman 
poisons her husband. I think uh, we'll get into it. Yeah. It's a good. One. It's a great yeah. one. It's 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 brilliant. We talk, we briefly mentioned that I think on our previous episode, or it might have been off mic when you and Billy and I were prepping. I don't know, but I remember one of us talked about it. It's so great. So we'll get into that, listeners. But um, as for now, we're firmly still in the Weird War camp, right, Misty? And this is our goodbye to Weird War Tales for now. But we're we're definitely going to return to the series um, uh, maybe next year during War Comics Month. So before we get into this, Misty, I should explain to the listeners who, who don't know that we're in War Comics Month now, the month of November. The reason this is War Comics Month is probably because, you know, the end of World War II happened on November the 11th, um, 1918. So because of that, and there's also Remembrance Day and Armistice Day, you know, during this month, um, second Sunday of November, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, all of that is because of um, the Great War that ended in November. And that was humanity's first brush with, with the apocalyptic, I think. And, um, you know, that's why this has been decided unofficially, but, you know, most comic book fans and, and, and even creators have uh, named November uh, War Comics Month. So normally we're active on Twitter, you know, and it's guys like Billy and me and uh, Ross um, Michaud. He's one of the, the, you know, guys who support this uh, Luke Giaconetti um one of the other guys i'll i'll leave you all their twitter you know handles at the end of the show listeners and you can follow these guys they post some great covers and some great blog posts and stories about horror comics and weird war comics and obviously just war comics too just plain war comics so um i'd recommend that because if you think about it, misty all war is horror you know even stuff that that doesn't seem like a horror comic actually is about something horrific so that's why we're doing it this month. Luckily, Weird War Tales is a horror comic, but, um, you know, we're off the mind that war, you know, is something to be feared. And um, we, we're not glorifying it by talking about it. We're actually vilifying war. But, um, you know, they, they, it does make for some great horror comics because, you know, the horror is visceral. It's it's real. And if you could put a supernatural element in there, like we're going to have in, in this issue again... That makes it even more terrifying. So hopefully that's your kind of uh, thing, listeners. I really like these weird war comics because I feel like they, the writers try to bring you into the story and pose a question to you as the reader. Um, it's sort of a what would you do in this scenario type situation for, mm. for each story or for some of these stories. You're, where the main character is presented with a decision that they have to make in an environment of war. And it kind of forces the reader to think, what what would they do in that decision? Or what would they do in that position? Yeah, good point. some of the mm. stories. And so it's a way to look at the characters that exist in wartime and empathize with them and the decisions that they make yeah exactly that's a good point misty i wasn't thinking about it like that but that they definitely these writers because they're of a very high caliber um you've got guys like robert kaniger and george keston writing a lot of these tales they get that across because of you know just the their dialogue their their you know writing skills and of course um presented by the artist in such a way that you feel it you know you really live it um, you become a part of the story, like you mentioned. That's a very good point. You have that in other comics too, but 
you know, because war is something that has happened and, you know, your grandfathers, your great grandfathers, they were all involved. Women, too, you know, um, they're usually the victims of war. This these things are, are real. You know, you can experience them by just thinking about them or reading about them or watching movies about them. So reading a comic has the same effect. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's not it's not glorifying them. No. Like it doesn't glorify these stories aren't glorifying war. They're really telling human stories that take place in a war environment. Exactly. That's yeah. Yeah, you've got a you've got a knack for succinctly summarizing what I'm trying to say in in like 5 <laughs> minutes you can say it in one single sentence. Well done, Misty. That's why I need you. That's why you have to be on this podcast. <laughs> have you signed that contract yet? It's just perfect for our listeners because some people would prefer the longer explanation and some people are maybe like just you know get to the point already so you can we they can have both okay that's okay that <laughs> makes me feel a little bit fun. better thank you misty you're yeah. very you're very diplomatic there <laughs> <laughs> listen so listeners that leads us off now that we've uh, gotten the introduction out of the way and into our next segment it came from the long box <laughs> All right, so as we mentioned before, this is uh, Weird War Tales, issue number 82. I'm going to give you some uh, details about this issue, listeners. And thanks to Mike's Amazing World.com um, for all the information. All right, here we go. This is um, Weird War Tales number 82, published in September of, or December of 1979. That's the cover date, but it was on sale in September of 1979. Cover price, 40 cents. Page count, 32, editor Paul Levitz. And there are three stories in here. The first one being Funeral by Fire, written by George Kasten, art by Ruben Yandok, colored by Jerry Serpy. And then we've got story number two, The Toy Battle, also by George Kasten as the writer, artist Howard Chaikin, whom we also talked about briefly in the previous Weird War episode. He's a legend, lettered by Albert de Guzman, and colored by Jerry Serpy again. And then the final tale, An Outbreak of Peace, by George Caston as well. So he wrote all three stories in this issue. Penciled by Don Newton, one of my favorite Batman artists. Inked by Dave Hunt, lettered by Milt Snappen, colored by Jerry Serpy as well. And then the cover art for this issue, which we'll get into right now, Misty, because that's the first we need to talk about. It's a brilliant cover. It was done by George Evans, who quite, did quite a few covers. Uh, for Weird War. It, Joe Kubert did a lot, but, you know, George Evans too. So what a cover, right, Misty? Um, yes, what a cover. I'm looking at it now. I have it pulled up. I de this is definitely one that caught my eye. Uh, you have a sort of fiendish looking lady in a beautiful magenta dress and she's set a a uh, Nazi on fire. It's <laughs> totally on fire. It's hard. To, he's like the wick of a candle, just fully in, in flames. Yeah. Um, and there are other Nazis peeking in from around the doorway. Right? And they're, they're, they're sweating. Looking very nervous. <laughs> yes, it's so good. Um, and the title on the covers is Death by Hellfire. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, I, I noticed that. They also wrote it in a very cool logo-ish kind of way, you know, um, 
reminiscent of, of let's say Marvel's Son of Satan's logo almost but yeah I lo- it, it, obviously not the name of the story which is Funeral by Fire this is Death by Hellfire so mm-hmm. it might be another case of you know the cover artist not quite knowing what the title's going to be yet so they gave him a tentative title right Misty we, we're not sure mm-hmm. why but very cool very cool uh, you know description there if it is a description or the title of on the cover Oh, it's so good. And inside the weird in the tight in the logo or the mm. font, it has they're like little bodies. Do you yeah. see that? Yes, little that was a staple of, of the mm-hmm. early Weird War Tale covers. Not the early ones, the mid ones. I think the 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 ones in the very beginning, in the very early seventies, didn't have that, but they had this effect in the weird. But when you know the body ones are particularly nice, you know it's. Dark. Dark and, uh, you know, depressing, but very apt. Because all of these stories really did have some kind of a depressing angle to them, even though the, you know, the the Nazis usually got what was coming to them or the or the folks perceived as the the evil, you know, combatants in the war normally, you know, um, it got punished. But uh, sometimes it didn't happen. You know, the, the good guys normally also bit the dust, you know, in many of these tales. But yeah, that that logo, wow, wow, I wonder who designed that. It could be Joe Kubert, you know, it could be him, since he was involved with the early, you know, art and editing of the title, but I'm not sure. I'll find out, listeners, for you. It's very suggestive, it's very suggestive in that not every detail is in there, but it, it shows just enough form to hint at you're that you're looking at a pile of bodies exactly yeah yeah Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. um you know if we look at the narrator our favorite well one of our favorite comic book uh, narrators death who always shows up in the beginning of the weird war tells uh, stories dressed appropriately for war i love his out he's got he's always dressed for the occasion yeah he never fails when it comes to picking out his wardrobe for the for the day or for this particular story um, basically, you know, he laments the fact that now war has become something almost akin to ex- exterminating a colony of ants, right, Misty? Because now in one fell swoop, a bomb could drop that just takes out an entire city, uh, making war, at least in his mind, more impersonal. And he prefers, well, according to what he, he says, I think he implies that he prefers more man-to-man encounters. Uh, you know where folks fight for for things that are you know that their ideals on the battlefield and they're not just pushed around like pawns um but you know that always happened in war i mean even since 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 way back when early times you were if you're a soldier you're a pawn but you know you might also be personally invested in in war but uh, death laments the fact that now with just the push of a button you can just take out an entire continent if you wanted to and and that sort of takes away his fun (laughs) sick bastard so impersonal yes but he does say he says but either way only i am the winner for i am death and if you listen to me now you may learn something of my myriad ways yeah so he wants to impart wisdom He's going either way. I think he's like, hey, you guys can hash it out on a personal level or you could blow each other up uh, impersonally with bombs. Either way, I win. So yeah. you should listen to me when I tell you these stories because I know a little something. 
about weird war <laughs> and war in general <laughs> but especially the the weird kind mm-hmm. um yeah it's almost as if okay if death he would never tell a story in 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 these comics of just a normal you know battle there has to be something special in this battle obviously you know because it has to be something concerning irony or the supernatural or something that that would make you know a normal observer of war blanch at you know this this particular plot and uh yeah he picks the best ones i think misty because everything in these comics is suitably weird um i gotta correct myself though misty in the beginning of the episode i mentioned that the previous comic we did was 64 it was in fact issue 67 so i apologize for that listeners and um yeah i think the logo misty i've quickly done a bit of checking here in my old issues the logo has always been the same it's just my old issue. The covers are so faded because they're so old that, oh. you know, I can't really even see it properly. But yeah, ever since issue one, like you mentioned, the logo has had that body effect in it. You know, it's only the my, my later issues that are more, you know, of, of a better quality. That's why I can see them better. They're less faded. But yeah, the logo mm-hmm. has always been like that. You know, so you're right. Yeah, um, they've, they've never really changed it. You know, it just depends on the coloring. Like sometimes it would be red. If it's red, you know, and, and the comic's really old, it, it fades and you can't really see the, the figures in the logo very well. Um, so, yeah. And then, of course. I also, I also like they, how they have tails just really small. It's like weird, huge, and yeah. then war, huge, and then tails. Just yeah, tiny, tails. Little box. <laughs> <laughs> it sort of lends itself to a, an, an audible effect, right? <laughs> if you read it in your mind. Weird war tales. <laughs> well, the weird is definitely the, the, the one that's accented here because, you know, it's 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 emphasized <laughs> because all of these that's stories are damn weird. Weird cells. Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. I think it's only in the later comics, right, Misty, when the creature commandos and the GI robot took center stage that the weird war tales were written so small that you couldn't really see the effects of, of, of the logo. But, mm. um, yeah, then you, you had this cool effect of the creature commandos. The word creature was written in a kind of, like, animalistic kind of style. And the GI robot was written with this metal effect, so... Yeah, they've always had good logos associated with this title. I just I just love it. So, Misty, are you going to be the one to quickly give us a rundown of the plot? And then I'll interrupt you at suitable intervals. <laughs> yes. yes. I will okay. do our summary. First story, Funeral by Fire. Okay. In the Romanian countryside, Nazis, led by Colonel Conrad Bauer prepare to ambush a barn where some partisans are refusing to surrender. Rather than waste ammunition, shooting the barn to high heaven, the colonel orders his team of fellow Nazis to burn the barn down. And rather than surrender and be tortured, the partisans in the barn are burned to death. The colonel suggests the partisans' refusal to surrender is meant to set a brave example to their fellow countrymen. He orders his men to round up all the people in the nearby village so he can set an example of his own. Once his goons assemble the people of the village together, he tells them that unless they reveal the 
spies and sympathizers hiding amongst them. He will line them up and execute every fifth person. He notices a woman in the crowd and calls on her to step forward. This is when we meet Magda Donescu. He asks why she is smiling so insolently. <laughs> and, and he, somewhat bashfully replies that she didn't realize she was smiling at him. She's like, oh, I don't know. I, I, was I smiling? Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> she, I'm just making eyes at you, Colonel. <laughs> she asks if she will be hanged. Uh, you're not going to hang me, are you? Big no man, you know, big strong Nazi guy. He he stumbles for a second and says, uh, "Well, actually, I am in need of a servant." <laughs> so, entranced with his new servant. The colonel forgets about killing every fifth person in town. Instead, he decides to show Magda her duties. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, he just forgets all about killing people, which is nice, and decides to uh, show Magda what being his assistant's all about, which is, <laughs> I guess, just showing her around the village. They, they, they hang out. They don't really get too much into what they're doing. Uh, but Colonel Conrad Bauer becomes obsessed with his new assistant. People in the village, as well as other Nazis, are starting to talk. And even he, even he is in disbelief. He's unable to be without her. One night before she leaves, she takes his hat with her as a keepsake. He doesn't trust her, but he lets her have it when she threatens to never come back. <laughs> she's she's really good at manipulating. Wow, she's, she's like, amazing. She's, this high, this, she's, she's a master. She is, because he's like, well, you don't need my hat, you don't need to take my hat. And she's like, well, maybe I don't need to come back then. And he's like, fine, take my hat. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, not even like that. He's like, oh, oh no, please, please. Oh, take it, please yeah, take it. <laughs> Yeah, he's not as like me as angry as I like impact put in into his character when I'm doing his character. <laughs> <laughs> but he seems so angry, like he's very on edge. But it, he's like a Nazi col colonel, and I keep saying colonel. I think I just realized that I'm saying colonel, which is not the right word. It's colonel. Well, it might be the German pronunciation. Oh. Who knows? You know, so you might be you know more accurate than you than you know, Misty. <laughs> That's a weird, that's one of those weird words. Weird war. Weird war weird. words. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, how do you say that word? Colonel, colonel. Colonel, uh, it's colonel, but, um, you know, obviously in, in German, I mean, if, if, you, if we're going to call them Her, Herr Bauer, you know, and we pronounce it Herr Bauer, wrong, mm. you know, so we got to stick the, to the German pronunciation sometimes. So, Misty, I think you've got the German pronunciation for colonel. You know, a down pat. So don't, don't, don't beat yourself up over that. <laughs> That's exactly what I was meaning to do the whole time. I, I totally knew I was doing that the whole time. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so uh, she leaves with his possession. One, another one of his possessions. Uh, the Nazis gossip to each other that she might be a spy, and it's rumored that every time she visits. She takes something else that belongs to the, the colonel. Mm. 
one day Magda does not return and the colonel is angry and suspicious. He suspects she is cheating on him. He goes off to look for her. He's upset that she has this kind of power over him. He's sweaty, disheveled, uh, emasculated. <laughs> he, he has been he's been forced to wander in the grotesque surroundings of common people. Oh. I know. Can you imagine yeah. the having to wander in the grotesque surroundings of common people? <laughs> yeah, this is straight from him. I think this, even though it's a, a, a the, the dialogue box or oh, the narration caption, mm-hmm. right? I think it's him narrating it because I don't think the writers will, you know, since they're against him, we'll call this grotesque surroundings. But yeah. oh yeah, you guys, you guys can't see me doing air quotes around these. But you did, <laughs> right? Yeah, in his opinion, um, he's very mad that he has to wander the grotesque surroundings of the common people because yeah. he's so much better than that because you know he's an Aryan Ugh, uh, super yeah the super race mm-hmm. mm. so he asks a few of these common people where Magda's house is and they point him in the right direction he finds her house and upon hearing her humming inside he kicks the door in <laughs> crash <laughs> He's mad. He's mad. He's angry. He's burning up. Uh, There we see Magda dancing with torches in her hands around a dummy wearing the the colonel's clothing. She confronts him and tells him that one of the partisans he burned in the barn in the beginning of the story was actually her father, a warlock, and she is his spawn. (laughs) His spawn. (laughs) He's a spawn. I am his spawn. (laughs) Progeny. His offspring. Oh, my God. (laughs) She has sworn to take revenge in her father's name. She lights the effigy of the colonel on fire. As the effigy burns, so does the colonel. As his charred butt cheeks hit the ground, she says, The score is settled, my colonel. (laughs) (laughs) You're still on the colonel kick. (laughs) <laughs> brilliant oh, no I love it very very suitable to this tale because they're probably both not speaking English <laughs> damn Misty okay that was a good synopsis I wanted to interrupt you but I was just so enraptured with your highly accurate German <laughs> no I'm, I'm I'm kidding I'm I'm being facetious I was really you know hanging on your every word here normally i'm i'm willing to intersperse with some comments but i just couldn't because this story like it sort of made me sort of relive the story again <laughs> since the last <laughs> time i read it what a tale this is a great story of vengeance but also of general like nazi you know stupidity <laughs> yeah it has a lot of ele- a lot of elements in just this small story you really can see the hyper focus on like mm. uh, how he thinks the colonel's character he really believes he's like of this master race and it makes him so mad that he's even attracted to magda you know he's like something's wrong with me like why do i like her you yeah know? he's like mad at himself exactly uh, yeah he, he is obsessed with her and he can't help it yeah now um <laughs> M- misty there's um 
one thing I want to mention is um you you get a sense of this on the cover. You know that this 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 girl, you know, is not what she seems. So the cover sort of gives the story away a little, right? But yeah. um at this point in time you're so used to weird war tales covers not depicting what's actually happening in the story that you sort of ignore the cover. But then when you read the story you realize, "Oh damn, spoilers. The cover spoils everything." Although, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. On the you cover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could guess what was going to happen at the end of this story by the cover. That's right. But you don't always, you know, see it because okay, now one example is on the cover she's actually literally burning him to death, but in in the story it's more sinister because she's a witch with some voodoo-esque kind of powers. It's not really voodoo, it's more like the effigies, right? The effigies that you know that that's used by some yeah. type, type of magical practitioners and yeah. she burns his effigy so that causes him to burn in turn. Which is much cooler than what the cover actually implies, but but on the cover there's also a hint of something something supernatural because he's immobilized and yet he's allowing her to burn him, <laughs> and that's what she kind of does to him during the tale as well. She immobilizes him with passion, with uh, her bewitching charm. Who knows? I mean, she's definitely enthralled him with some kind of a power since she's a witch, right, Misty? Yeah, the more I think, the more ob- objects of his that she Gathers. collects, yeah. that she's able to have a stronger and stronger hold over him, and he becomes more and more her property. Exactly. And, yeah. and so she, I love this what of her burning him while his eyes are open and he can't do anything. Oh man, that that's the ultimate form of torture, but also ironic because just, you know, think about if you think about all the concentration camps and you know how how people suffered there. This is, you know, the height of irony if you think about it because he's powerless to do anything and yet he's led to his death by fire, <laughs> you know. So I think also there's there's this great element where it's by uh woman who he mm. was originally going to sentence to death or all of her friends in the village was she mm. she killed her he killed her father and so for it's a, it's really um fitting that that he should be taken out by a woman you know that's like the ultimate kind of disgrace for for like a nazi is yeah to be taken down by a non-aryan female you know yeah exactly no it's definitely i mean throughout the the story you kind of also have the sense that the nazis are looking down on these people and that they would never consort with them and yet Mm -hmm. you know that that's one of the reasons why he's always looking angry i think is because he's being he, he against his will almost he's being forced to consort with her and she drives him insane with lust and with you know just teasing him all the time because there's never a hint that she actually you know, sleeps with him. It's sort of like she shows up as his servant and that maddens him because he just wants her more and more. And then she leaves and he, he never gets to, to, to fulfill his lust. And then mm-hmm. she comes back again the next day and sort of incites him to greater heights. So, you know, it's it, it, she plays him so well, like a yo-yo on a string. And then eventually he just can't help it, but he must go out. He must seek her out. And at that point in time, it's too late for him because she's already gathered enough materials to create this effigy, which is burning. And that's ironic, too, Misty, because he burned her dad to death in the very first page, on the very first Mm -hmm. page of the story in that Mm -hmm. little. Now, now, Misty, there are some historical 
inaccuracies here, I think. I mean, this is Romania, right? So It says Romania with a U. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how they sometimes wrote it. But, you know, Romania. There's only one Romania. I mean, there was Greater Romania and then Lesser Romania after, you know, they, they sort of... Um, uh, during World War Two, they had to give up territories which they won during World War One. But you know, still Romania here is the one, according to the story at least, the Romania that runs you know along the Carpathian Mountains, which was a mm -hmm. huge mountain range that ran through at least five or six you know, Central European and Eastern European countries, right, Misty? So my point is though, the historical accuracy comes in when you think about it. Romania, the, the Nazis did not actually go into Romania to suppress. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, little revolutionary pockets of Romanians fighting back against the Nazis. No, what happened was the Romanian government was overthrown by, by I think, a mini dictator who was pro-Nazi before the Nazis even had to step in. This was like 1939, 1940, oh, I think. So that means the Romanians were firmly in the Nazis' pockets until at least 1944 when the, the their dictatorship was finally overthrown by i think one of the the royals you know because the 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 romanians had a royal family as well and they went into exile when this dictator took power in 1940 or yeah i think it was 1940 i'm not sure but you know the my point is you know there wouldn't have been german patrols in romania suppressing these rebels it would have been romanians suppressing romanians you know the the, the romanian uh -huh. military working for this dictator <laughs> So, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, that, but obviously I think George Caston knew this because George Caston wrote a lot of weird war stories. He, he knew weird war. He knew his research. I think he purposefully did this, you know, um, because the Nazis are the bad guys. You know, you don't really associate the Romanians with being bad, even though they did uh, ultimately end up killing a lot of Jewish people, uh, you know, in Romania. The Romanians I'm talking about here, not the Nazis. They did it on behalf of the Nazis, so which is a terrible war crime, right? Uh, right. Yeah, so, you know, they, they could have made the Romanians the bad guys here, but again, they chose to do the, do it with the Nazis. So, I mean, I might be wrong here. There, there might have been a time when some Nazis did go into Romania, you know, on, you know, maybe they needed to help the Romanian military. Yeah, but I, I was thinking, I was kind of like, well, maybe they would send in a couple of their guys to oversee all of the fascism and just make sure that they're doing fascism the way they the Nazis want them to do it, you know? Yeah, they could have done that because they were definitely <laughs> fascist at this point in time. So you, you might be right. I mean, the Romanian army was huge. They had a big, uh, if I can remember correctly, they had a big um, role to play with, you know, um, eventually attacking Russia and, and, and invading most of the... The you know the 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 border cities of Russia, you know, um, so you know they were powerful. They had a powerful army. Obviously, not as powerful as the Nazis, but you know. So I guess the Nazis could have been there. Yeah, I mean, I, I might be wrong, but um, well, that's yeah, interesting though. That is interesting, and it's too bad that other countries just like flipped themselves instead of standing up to the fascists. Well, well whatever. It's it's water under the bridge, right? <laughs> yeah, well, and now recently, again, water under the bridge, thank God. <laughs> we flipped fascism, you guys, on its yeah, back. It's, it's just like once one country really gets into it, then a couple other countries see it happening and they're like, maybe we should try that, you know? And it's like a, it's a 
it's like somebody does bad behavior and they get away with it and then yeah. another person's like oh maybe let's do that mm. where i live too and i don't know i i'm too tired to be talking about yeah <laughs> yeah and we I just drink, i drink too much on friday night celebration <laughs> yeah thank me me too i mean we've got no alcohol left in this house and i'm not even from the states <laughs> so even i celebrate it I'm not fully recovered yet. Yeah, so goodbye fascism <laughs> in this comic and in real life, hopefully for forever. But we, I mean, that's wishful thinking. But still, you know, well done on a victory, well well fought, right, Misty? Mm, yes. So you know, I I love the way the story played out because uh, you know, um, basically it shows you that the old world. Uh, I mean, if you think about the Nazis with their modern military technology and their their modern war machine that that just steamrolled all these other you know, opponents in Europe, um, in the in the beginning of the war at least, you know, they are the modern world and they come face to face here with the old world in terms of magic and witchcraft and, you know, um, mm -hmm. they suffer for it. I mean, we don't know what happened to Magda after this. She might have been caught and executed, but her whole goal was to get revenge for her father, the death of her father. Mm -hmm. And she did it, she enacted that revenge ironically by making it a death by fire for poor Colonel Bauer. So, you know, she her her uh, goal has been met, right, Misty? She achieved what she wanted to sit out. Now, we can speculate all we want about what happened to her afterwards. But basically, if you think about it, this Nazi commander, this colonel, he got he was ended by the old world meeting the new, the powers of the old world rising up against him. And I think that's also why they put it, said it in Romania, because... Um, if you're a Westerner, what do you associate the Carpathian Mountains with and Romania and Transylvania, right? Transylvania used to be a small province of Romania. I mean, now it's a historical province. It doesn't really exist anymore, but it, it's a part of Romania. And, you know, Dracula, Transylvania, vampirism, <laughs> the, the, the occult. So I was expecting a vampire story. You know, the, probably the very, very first time I read this comic, which was years ago. I was expecting another vampire tale because in the very first panel, I think they mention, you know, this is in Car the Carpathian Mountains, Romania. And then I always think about that part of the Dracula novel where Jonathan Harker arrives in, I think it was Bukovina or or one of those, those countries, um, you know, bordering Transylvania. And he remarks on the beauty of the Carpathian Mountains and then he name drops all these countries. And then that's what I think about when I hear the the word the Carpathian Mountains I think about Dracula so yeah. yeah but we got a tale of witchcraft which is just as good I was very very happy with that, with the story it's great he didn't know what he was messing with exactly you know? and it's a uh, tale as old as time That's man right. going into uh, pl places where they shouldn't be and messing <laughs> with the things that they shouldn't mess with pisses off we a woman they shouldn't piss off <laughs> yeah leave things alone you know leave it alone yeah exactly yeah so yeah they got what was coming to them and uh suitably impressed with uh the plot and the story and how it played out my favorite tale of all three the other two are are great great as well on their own merit but you know this is definitely the story that headlines the issue right misty so um, oh, yeah great great tale but, um, you know, um, I don't know if you... We will leave the favorite panels, of course, and the favorite bits of dialogue till the end when we've done all three stories. But I don't know if you've got any final thoughts on this on this tale. Um, 
maybe a few more things to say, but I think we can do it at the end when we talk about our, our favorite. favorite bits. Yeah, we got to talk about the humming. <laughs> we got to talk about the art. <laughs> and we got to talk about the fact that this, this, this girl, she's got such an interesting personality. I mean, on the cover, she looks like she's dancing, <laughs> you know, like an Indian rain dance, except it's a fire dance. She's dancing around this guy, you know, that she's setting on fire. And... Um, mm-hmm. But she's very laid back in the in the interior panels, you know. She's um, almost robot-like, like, so confident in her power that she seems, I don't know, she seems dispassionate, unemotional, which is exactly why she's incensing this colonel, right? Because he wants the emotion from her side, but he's not getting it. So. She gave that one smile, that one insolent smile. That he <laughs> hates at the beginning. <laughs> yep, and then nothing else, and you, it just dro- drove him up the wall, drove him nuts. Yeah, yeah. So we got we're, we'll talk about her at the end, listeners, when we discuss our favorite bits. But um, then there there's the the middle story, right, Misty? The second tale, the toy mm-hmm. battle. Now here we shift battlegrounds. Pardon the pun here, because this is not set in World War Two. Most uh, obviously not all, but most Weird War tales issue, uh, issues and stories were set during World War II. Um, I'd say at least 60% of them, and then maybe another uh, 10 or 15% during World War One, And then you had a 5%, uh, I think. This is just me pulling out numbers out of my head, listeners. Excuse me. But 5% at least was set in future wars. But every now and then they would throw in a story that was set in something pre-World War One right misty and this is the franco-prussian war at least mm-hmm. in the aftermath of the franco-prussian war so mm-hmm. are you going to give us a rundown on the toy battle which is a whopping three pages long <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i got i have a summary for 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 our listeners of the toy battle all right give it okay. let, let's hear it it is the late 1800s near lorraine france it has been many years after the Franco-Prussian War. We meet Colonel Moreau, who is still obsessed with the battle that his army lost long ago. The Another colonel. <laughs> <laughs> another colonel. <laughs> There's lots of them. This is a French colonel, though, so I don't know how you pronounce that, but uh, we'll go with colonel from now on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the colonel's spends all his time playing with a replica battle set, recreating the battle over and over and over. One day, while studying one of his tiny replicas, he has an epiphany about his trusted aide Leclerc, and then he has a flashback that transports him back to the scene of the battle. Crouching behind a tree, he sees Leclerc headed towards Prussian lines. He calls, Halt! Leclerc, Leclerc, Leclerc turns to him, turns to face him surprised. I thought I had left you sleeping, he says, and then he is shot. Colonel Moreau (laughs) (laughs) searches Leclerc's body. He finds a note describing the location of the next day's battle. This reveals Leclerc is passing information to the enemy and is a traitor. Without a spy, then the next day, without a spy in their ranks, the French chase the Prussian army away, 
winning the battle once and for all. <laughs> but this battle would have far happier outcome for Colonel Henry Moreau, for Colonel Moreau has died. We see his staff finding him clutching the traitorous figure of Leclerc in his hands, and the figure seems to have tiny bullet holes in it. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Wonderful. Oh, it's a nice bit there, a nice bit of detail. Oh, Misty, this was a, this kind of story, you know, it started off with me thinking, oh, you know, I I know where this is going to go, but then, you know, I, I was pleasantly not surprised but i was happy at the end of it um i feel like i've seen stories like this dozens of times but i can't name any one of them you know where someone recreates a battle with toys and then it turns out to have real consequences you know yeah so it's sort of like he was transported back into the past by some unknown force and uh, he got to set matters right to find out why he lost so this has been his whole life's obsession because he's obviously we see he's an old man now he's still in his uniform from yeah. 30 years gone and he's in a sanitarium or something or in a on, or, or run by some catholics i mean there's a nun there there's a doctor there i don't know mm-hmm. if you call it a sanitarium maybe just you know whatever you called an old age home <laughs> you know like a uh, hundred years ago and um yeah, I mean, this guy's obviously been driven insane by the fact that he lost this pivotal battle and he's been recreating it with this little toy set. Yeah. And Oh, it's lovely. He's, How could I have lost it? How? There's no way. None of it makes sense. Nothing makes sense, you know, like pushing <laughs> the little guys everywhere and being like, we should have won. We should have won. Like exactly, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then he finally realized that he finally, he looks really closely at this little soldier and then he he just is suddenly transported back into the battle where he finds out that the soldier was in fact a spy yeah yeah the clerk mm-hmm. yeah this colonel moreau i almost want to want to call the story the battlefield of colonel moreau you know hearkening back to the island of dr moreau <laughs> but different moreau different spelling but um you know i i'm glad he got you know uh, sort of um closure you know because uh, yeah. he died at the end after he you know obviously won this battle but you know it might have all also just been in his head misty he might have just you know uh, because he's demented he might have yeah. just um I- imagined everything and then the bullet hole he might have carved it or something with some kind of a tool subconsciously who knows into this little soldier to make it look real i don't know i mean <laughs> but, that's the kind of mystery of it, it leaves you wondering if he hallucinated this right before he died and it was like a form of closure for him yeah uh, to, to hallucinate like almost when you fall asleep reading a book mm. and i don't know if you've ever done this you fall asleep reading a book and you yeah. keep reading it while you're sleeping oh, yeah i've done that many times wow mm. yeah that's that's scary then then the problem is when you wake up the next day you kind of have to find where you left off and you realize that whatever you made up in your mind you know, when you were imagining reading, it was not what happened. You're like, oh, yeah, that's like the closest thing I can think of to what happened here yeah. is he fell asleep with his battle and he sort of hallucinated the ending of it in a way, in a positive way where he won. He finally won. Yeah. And then he died. Yeah. No, no, it's a great tale. And of course, Howard Chaikin, we've spoken about him before, Misty, um, 
uh, he's a great artist. He this was early days for him, but um, I could already see a little bit smattering of greatness. Uh, it's very, I mean, the, the 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 art is a little bit. We'll talk about our favorite panels and art, like I said later. But here I can mention something quickly. The art is not very detailed. It's almost like a little bit, um, you know, hazy sort of. Uh, as if you're looking through a, an ancient photograph at the events transpiring. You know what I mean? I'm not saying he did that, you know, consciously, but it sort of lends itself to the effect of this guy remembering the war, remembering the battle, and and you looking at it as, you know, as events that are trans- transpiring 100 years ago, even in the sanitarium where he is, it's like 100 years, at least in the past. I mean, if you think about the Franco-Prussian War was what, like 18, 1870? Or, yeah. or something uh, it only lasted for less than a year i think and then you know if he's 30 years later it must be at the turn of that century right so let's say 1900 1901 mm-hmm. whatever so you know it makes it looks like an old photograph the art it kind of lends itself to this effect very well which which i like from chaikin all of his stuff kind of looks old you know when he pencils it it, it makes you think of you know kind of like an indiana jones ish kind of uh, look to his art, you know, um, these old planes, these old, you know, uniforms. So, yeah, that's why Chaikin's one of my favorites. But sometimes he's bad, you know, he doesn't, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> so I don't know what you think of the art here. Um, I like, uh, 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 it's interesting. It's the it's chunky. Some of the lines are real chunky. It's uh, it it's hmm. Yeah, it's chunky. I don't really, I don't really see. Yeah, there's not a lot of definition. Mm. Um, there's not a lot of but, outlines, which makes me think it might also be the coloring by Jerry Serpy that, you know, it sort of like flows across his inking almost. I don't know if that that was intended, but yeah. yeah. It's kind of like a hazy yeah. effect to the art. Um, it might also be because the issues we're reading are very, very old. When they reprint them, hopefully, we'll get a Weird War Tales omnibus that eventually gets to this issue. We'll we'll see what they've done with it. But yeah, I'm I'm liking this old effect quite a bit. It's good. It's it's obviously very skillful. Yeah. You know, this, this very skilled artist. I like the texture. The characters are good. He does a good job of showing the characters of the story, the old man's face, how he's so distraught, mm. the emotion on his distraught emotion on his face in the first panel, um, and the concern on the face of the nun. Yeah, uh, he's there's some really great close-ups of emotion happening and faces and reactions. Yeah. In, in, this story that all, are really good all done within three pages i even like the way he drew death on the very first page of the story with with wearing the little german helmet the prussian helmet yeah. <laughs> that, that yeah. they were known for i think that they even wore that well into world war one you know misty which was like 40 years later they still wore those little spiked helms you know <laughs> so it death has worn that helm quite a few times if i can recall in the pages of weird war one of his Classic. favorites. And lo- it looks like it's got a bullet hole in it, too. The one that Death's wearing. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> I really love I really love uh, the, the line weight in that particular little doodle. And also throughout this 
this story, you can see, you know, there is chunky. There's like chunky, thick lines, but then there's also very delicate. Uh, just you can like where the artist would just skillfully sketch out the round of the skull and have it be just a very thin line. It's all you need. Mm. But then on the other side, there's the chunky of the shadow. That's right. That's right. Now, Misty, this is not a historical inaccuracy. I have to mention this again, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, this is just all wishful thinking on the part of the colonel. You know, that war, the Franco-Prussian War, I think France mm -hmm. won none of the battles in that war because mm -hmm. the Germans completely overpowered him, overpowered them in that war. They, France had to give up so many territories and treaties afterwards. Paris fell. You know, the German, just like in World War uh, II, the Germans kind of steamrolled them. And, uh, you know, what happened was is they had to give up large swaths of territory to in order to, to you know, uh, make reparations for this war that they lost. And I don't think they won any skirmishes. So technically, the story is historically oh. accurate because he didn't win this war. <laughs> But then yeah. he wins it <laughs> through this dream sequence. Yeah, so interesting though, because, um, yeah, you know, th this war was significant because it was the first time that their sort of military, modern military equipment was used, you know, like um, the railroads and cannons and stuff like that. I mean, you know, large form cannons. So, um, Uh, this guy, obviously, if he lost the war, it would have been because of German superiority, not some traitor. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it turns out it was because of this turncoat. So, well, at least in his mind. Yeah. So I, I hate bandying that term about, you know, Misty, German superiority. But <laughs> it's, it's true that in a military sense, in the Franco-Prussian War, at least, they were superior in terms of, you know, what they had to offer, what they brought to the battlefield. Sure, yeah. Um, and they weren't, they, they were anti-Semitic back then, yes, but they weren't Nazis, but they were still imperialistic. So, you know, they were all about annexing, you know, other countries and stuff like that. So obviously they were in the wrong, but the French were pretty... They were bastards back then, too. I mean, everybody was, even the South Africans, which I hail from. I mean, at this point in time, the South Africans were slaughtering Zulus and, uh, you know, Khazars uh, yeah. and people in, in, in you know, a colonial yeah. South Africa. So, yeah, horrible. But I'm just saying that, you like, know, I, the whole world is up for grabs. Yeah. Yes. That's how they viewed it back then. You know, I mean, they were still imperialistic. Then most countries in Europe had a king or a prince at the helm. <laughs> so. Terrible, terrible, I know. But, um, you know, I like the fact that they, they really go hard on trying to put the, the French accent into this story. You know, like uh, they have a couple of wees and the Prussians flee, victory! You know? Sound the charge! There's lots of that that they tried to put in there, which is cool. So, yeah, interesting tale written by George Caston and Chaken on Art. So any final thoughts on this story, Misty, or we've exhausted our, <laughs> our French and German here. Colonel. Colonel Misty, any final thoughts? Uh, <laughs> um, no, not for this one. This yeah. one was pretty short. It was just kind of like a short and sweet. Very straightforward, right? Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I'm, I'm the same. It's kind of like a story like I, I would have imagined my grandfather would be involved in if he was because in the end of his life, he was lamenting, you know, a lot of stuff that he could have done that he didn't do. So this is kind of like this this old, you know, Colonel Bauer, um, Moreau's thing. You know, we're sort of looking back on his life and wishing he had done things different. So, you know, I guess we'll all get to that point in time, won't we, Misty, when we look back? Yeah. yeah so. Well, I like I like that it kind of brings up a point about war, too, is it's not over when it's over, mm. you know? Mm. The effects Sometimes, stay with you. Yeah, things stay with you until the very end. Yeah, the scars. I mean, for him, it's more mental scars or the scars of disappointment. Um, obviously, also, he, he was very close to his men, the loss of lives that that battle engendered. But, um, yeah, you're right. It's scars, and people are trying mm -hmm. to deal with them. They're still picking up the scabs so many years afterwards. Yeah, yes. so... No, yeah. it's not glorifying war. No, definitely <laughs> not. War has its terrible repercussions. and So, yeah, remember that, uh, listeners. If any of you young listeners are out there ready to join up... <laughs> <laughs> just, just think about it a little bit before you do. Listen oh. to Dad. Oh, got yeah. a lot of stories. <laughs> listen to Weird War. Yeah, don't listen to Death because Death would want you to sign up. Oh, yeah, don't listen to Death. There, thank you, Herman. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just watch <laughs> it. Yeah. If, if it's a sexy death like Neil Gaiman's death, hell, I'm all ears. But this Weird War death, he wants to, you know... To, to, to draft you into his weird war. You better be careful there, folks. It's all the same to him or them. <laughs> them, exactly, yeah. I mean, it's not just death here, folks. It's a cult of death that we're dealing with. Hopefully now their, their power has been, uh, you know, uh, what? We've snipped their balls a little bit. They're, they're, they're oh. dried up old. Oh, <laughs> oh. yeah. Yeah, well, well, hopefully we'll see. We'll see. You know, there's always the specter <laughs> of death is always hanging over, over humanity. But uh, you know, that brings us to the the last tale, Misty, which is a very optimistic kind of tale for Weird War tales. I think I've 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 yeah. seldom read a tale like this in the pages of Weird War. I'll let you speak on that first. But uh, listeners, to remind you, this tale is called an outbreak of peace. <laughs> <laughs> Strange title, but very apt. So take it away, Misty. What can you tell us about this story? An outbreak of peace. In the South Pacific during World War II, a wounded battlecruiser totters towards port. A team of frogmen are under the ship trying to repair the steering. The cruiser is struck by enemy fire from above. One of the frogmen, Vance, gets sucked down into an underwater vortex, which takes him into the deep. When he awakens, he is in the underwater city of Atlantis. He learns that long ago, a group of people moved to the bottom of the ocean to escape man's barbarism. He asks if he can ever leave, and they tell him, of course, after Rihanna nurses you back to health. <laughs> <laughs> Vance returns to full health and ends up falling in love with Rihanna. And Rihanna's like a kind of just like a woman they assign to him to take care of him, I guess. <laughs> I should mention who she is. So Rihanna is taking care of him, just like his nurse nurse lady, nursemaid, nurse companion. Uh 
and he falls in love with her, but he tells her he can't stay with her in Atlantis. You really got to me, Rihanna, baby, but it's no good. <laughs> <laughs> Sooner or later, I'd grow restless. <laughs> he hightails it out of the airlock and starts his ascent towards the water's surface, wondering how anyone could stay in a place without war. Oh, the boredom of no fights where disputes are settled peacefully. How awful. <laughs> <laughs> On his way to the surface, depth charges start exploding around him, trying to sink a nearby submarine. Faced once again with the barbarism of war, Vance changes his mind. <laughs> like I was saying, Rihanna, honey, who wants to live in a peaceful world forever? You know who. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Vance swims back into the vortex, back to his love, Rihanna, and to peaceful Atlantis. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great ending. But Misty Dunn, my favorite panel, I'm going to call it now, in this entire issue is the very last panel where he swims back into the war- vortex, back to Atlantis, but you've got death as a scuba diver swimming past, <laughs> looking at the listeners, saying... Let us hope that not too many more humans discover Atlantis or whatever the place is called. A world like that one would surely put me out of business. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, he's got his scuba suit on. And Damn. yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't want Atlantis to be real or to be bigger or more places to be like Atlantis because he's in the business of death. So Exactly. Yeah. Death is in no. death's business. <laughs> mm-hmm. Peace isn't good for him. Yeah, precisely. Now, Misty, this story, at first, it doesn't have much of a plot. If you think about it, it's just a guy who's left for dead on the high seas by this attack on his um, battleship. And then, you know, he's one of the repair crew down below in his scuba gear, sucked into this vortex, finds Atlantis, gets nursed back to health by this babe, this goddess. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, he, he wants to return to the world of, of humanity because he sort of enjoys war. You know, at least that's what we, we we're led to believe. But then as soon as he's confronted with, you know, the war again, he realizes that, what the hell was I thinking? I'm going straight <laughs> back. <laughs> yeah, he just he just changes his mind kind of kind of out of seemingly out of nowhere, which doesn't I don't know, doesn't make it like the best story, but I thought it was really funny. No, especially it- because of the dialogue. <laughs> the dialogue is insane, Rihanna, baby. <laughs> Misty, baby, the Rihanna. dialogue is crazy. <laughs> it's like this 1940s kind of guy, kind of, you know, you know, you know, they had this way of talking about girls, at least if you read their letters back, written back to their, to their, their ladies that they left back home, you know, the soldiers, they, they wrote like this kind of, uh, it was just the way they, they spoke back then. But um, I think it was accurately portrayed here. Uh, but like you say, the story is so crazy. It doesn't make any sense. But because of that, I kind of end up loving it because it's a very fitting way to finish talking about Weird War Tales with this outbreak of peace. But yeah. it's also this guy turning his back on war, you know? Yeah. Which He's is presented with the choice of staying in Atlantis with beautiful Rihanna and living, you know, peaceful life under the sea. Or heading back to like the barbarism of man, and he's like, I could, I couldn't hang out down here. It's boring. I got to go back up. But then, when, yeah, once he gets back up there, he's like, Oh, never mind. No, nope, never mind. I'm going back. 
it, you know. Now, Misty, so, yeah. I mean. But why that is? Like, why did, why didn't he just stay? Maybe he just had to see one last time. Yeah. Maybe he was thinking he was living in a dream. You know, this wasn't reality because he had, you know, been injured and then he woke up in this other world. And then he, he was trying to return. It's a, kind of like trying to pinch himself awake, right? And then when he actually does, you know, go and he conf- he's, well, surprised by these death charges that's being dropped in trying to raise a sub submarine, you know, he's immediately, you know, slammed back to reality. And he realizes that, no, this is real. Reality is the, the, the nightmare he needs to escape from. So he returns to this pleasant dream world with Rihanna. He chooses love. He chooses love over war. Yeah. Commendable. Yeah. Love and peace. Yeah. Commendable. No, I like that. But but Misty, like you said, the story, not just the plot, but, but the rest of the elements of the story is crazy on so many levels. For one, <laughs> it's in the South Pacific, but <clears throat> Atlantis lies at the bottom of the South Pacific. What happened to the Atlantic? What happened to the Atlantic getting its name from Atlantis? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> what the hell? You know, Atlantis was a Greek thing. You know, it was, uh, it was. You know, who, who, who came up with the? Was it Plato, uh, Homer? I don't know. One of the the Greek writers. I think it was first mentioned in uh, in Homer. Yeah, Homer mentioned Atlantis. Now, there's no conceivable way that Homer, Homer, <laughs> Homer, Homer, J. Edgar Homer. <laughs> no, uh, uh, Homer. Homer yeah, there's no way that Homer ever made it over to the Pacific Ocean. So this, it's inconceivable that Atlantis would be at the bottom of the Pacific. But of course, this is a fictional city, and Death himself mentions the fact that it might not even be Atlantis. But um, then another yes. thing, when the guy leaves Atlantis, they only give him scuba gear. But he's in the South Pacific, Misty. Where is he going to swim to? He's going to die from exhaustion long before he reaches any island or shore. They should have given him some vehicles, <laughs> some, you know, scientific, yeah. futuristic Atlantean sub or something. There's, yeah, there's, yeah. He would never make it in just a scuba suit. With one tank of oxygen on his back, Misty. One. <laughs> <laughs> Insane. And the guy's totally willing to just do that, to throw his life away. I, I just want to leave this city, this hot babe who was just hanging on my, my arm. I'm just going to leave her and swim to my death, (laughs) which he almost does. Through having all these like marbled archways and like golden doors and technology and beautiful women, like I'm going to get the scuba suit on, (laughs) send myself out this airlock so I can go back to war, damn it. (laughs) Oh man, this is crazy. This guy's insane. And then luckily the underwater explosions, boom, vroom. All these cool sound effects, right? They knock him back yeah. to sanity because he realizes how just how crazy he really is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. And maybe maybe this is something speaking to romanticizing war. You know, or like yeah. soldiers, they they come home and I don't know if this happens, but you know, maybe looking back on it as if it was wasn't that bad. Yeah, and he's like, it wasn't that bad. It was actually really inter- it was fun. I was you know yeah and, and but you know he was a frogman to think about that job if somebody's repairing a ship and you know in the 50s it's 50s era scuba gear repairing under underwater repairing warships like that is a brave person you know yeah. that's like 
Yeah, 1940s Oof. even. Yeah, this is the 1940s, firmly in the yeah. you know South Pacific War. So you know, yeah, you're right that you gotta be some kind of a brave <laughs> asshole, but also I like could, a you know get bored. Yeah. You know, but get bored in in lovely little Atlantis. You could I could see it, but yeah. but no, he changes his mind, so he exactly. makes the right call. Yeah, and you know this this could be this could be bad for the Atlanteans because he could you know co-op their society and 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 you know militarize them and then launch an attack on the surface world <laughs> and even does look like the the marvel character namor the submariner who has done that many times before <laughs> he has a bit of a visual you know um look uh, akin to you know the submariner which makes me think of that this guy's warlike they're leaving him here in this peaceful society Geez, what what kind of a plague have they released in in Atlantis? But Rihanna, obviously, she's head over heels for him. Um, yeah, yeah, he'll, but he'll fall down. Yeah, he'll, he'll stop wanting to war war so much once he tries the lovely uh, sashimi <laughs> at, at the Atlantis <laughs> bar. You know, they probably have swanky swanky pubs and good. <laughs> Fish, good seafood. I'm Definitely guessing. good seafood over there. Yeah, they might even eat, eat some more exotic fare, like you know, um, barbecued mermaid. Who knows? You know, there's all this kind of stuff down there. But um, yeah, I love their technology. There's this panel because she serves, like you say, she's his nursemaid, but she also turns out to be his guide, right, Misty? She's sort of assigned to acclimatize him to this new environment. You know, culture shock is a thing, so he needs to get used to this place. She shows him their machinery that supplies their oxygen, which is extracted from the seawater. So they've got crazy technology here, far you know in advance of of um, humanity at this point in time. They've got special like globes that that provide their light, and it has the same effect as as sunshine. You know, so it gives you all the 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 sunlight you need even though it's artificial and then their sky is this roiling undersea world of beauty and um i mean she even comments on that she says don't you like the sky here vance isn't it romantic wouldn't you like to kiss me in front of this huge aquarium like fish globe (laughs) oh it's so romantic i love it i love the environment that this the story is set in and the way that it's represented and that it looks so futuristic. Oh yeah, it's a it's brilliant art. I mean, this Don Newton guy, I love him. He's he's he he did Batman for quite a while, uh, and that's when I started to read Batman as a kid. You know, he, Don Newton was the artist, and he's got a great way of of drawing people. Very singular. You know, he's got a, a knack for the human form. I mean, this girl Rihanna is drawn beautifully, and this guy's you know also you know handsome you know he's a scuba diver obviously he's like he's in top form right so all of yeah. these things he does well but but it's sort of like every single character though is drawn as like an olympic swimmer in this tale right i mean the atlanteans all look like greek gods <laughs> you know, they're dressed yeah. in these togas and robes and um but you know that puts you in this world right misty it puts you firmly in the story and uh, you feel like you're in this other world and the sound effects, like I said, are great too, which is like lots of explosions. And then, you know, when they even usher him out of Atlantis, when he wants to leave, there's this one guy just locks the, closes the airlock and the sound effect is just like slam. <laughs> <laughs> Saying like, 
you know, get out of here. You, you don't want to live in this, um, you know, utopia, then that's fine by us, buddy. <laughs> yep. Yep. Slam. Slam. Bye. See ya. Man. I like, I love the um, sound effects and also the action mm. that is in these panels with the explosions, underwater explosions with him diving upwards with him being sucked downwards into a vortex with him swimming across the page of him like yeah there's a lot of wonderful movement happening in, in these panels and across the pages especially um in the scenes where he's interacting with the explosions underwater as the diver like mm. i'd say yeah <laughs> you're right artistically this is the strongest story right yeah, it's like in the beginning when the, on the second page there's a wonderful three panels at the top where bombs or missiles are coming down through the surface of the water and you see the scuba divers' bodies just being kind of like tossed around and there's this close-up on him and it's overlapping with the other frame and then he's being sucked down into the vortex and I just I love... Um, I love the motion and the movement. It tells the story really well. Yeah, that's a good. That, those are all very good. Uh, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, ways of seeing, it, looking at the art. You know, it's like how it conveys the story. What kind of effect Newton imparts to the reader? You know, but with with the art, because it's like you say, it's a lot about movement, right, Misty? Especially underwater, <laughs> you need to have this sense of the currents of the ocean, the body of water that you're in moving you around. And you get that from his art, which is yeah. an interesting and spectacular effect, actually. Um, so well done yeah. to Newton there and also to to Jerry Serpy, the inker. I mean, it's not just one shade of blue under there. You know, it's like different, different uh, shades of, of blue and colors. Uh, and that sort of adds to the feeling of depth, right? In the distance, it's darker closer to the, the the figure that's swimming it's lighter so you get this sense of he's hanging in this abyss of of endless water and then yeah it's it, I, I also like the way he drew atlantis you know this this city this futuristic city under this giant globe or under this oh. giant dome which is what atlantis normally looks like in dc if you think about aquaman's atlantis or something but this is really a, a well-drawn atlantis i must say it's perfect. It's mm. like an architectural sketch, you yeah. know, like little an architect would doodle out before laying it down into CAD or something like that. Exactly. But I love, I also love um, the the line work in the back where it almost looks like dyed, like it's been um, shibori dye oh. in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tie dye, it, mm. inky. It's inky, inky <clears throat> water. It's so good. Yeah. yeah, no, no, this brilliant uh, art-wise, I'd say, like you say, Misty, this is a winner. Not that the first two <laughs> stories were were too, sh it, uh, they were very good as well. You know, not too shabby on the art on them as well. But this one, wow, a standout for sure. But there's um, this panel yeah. though. There's this weird panel underneath the Atlantis panel, where him, he, him and her, her and him, they are like, she's got her arm reaching back and she's like tickling his chest. Oh, yeah, I see <laughs> it. Oh, wow. What a what nice little detail. <laughs> but, like, what is, what is that? She's is twirling that his... Misty, she's twirling his chest hairs between her fingers. Come on, man. 
That's, that's but then like underneath <laughs> his chest hairs, what is that line? It kind of looks like it kind of looks like a butt, but it's like oh on my god. Do you see that? We're going to be talking about butts more later, <laughs> listeners. I'm telling you when we get to our favorite panels. But yeah, it looks like it's supposed to be a part of his, uh, you know, like abdomen. But it's a little bit too high up for that. And it looks yeah. like a butt. It looks like a butt in his in his <laughs> chest and his stomach lining. Yeah. Tumor, buddy. Yeah. You might have to go see a do- an Atlantean doctor for that one, man. <laughs> because Yeah, like everything else in that panel looks great and but then it's just like well, why does he have a butt cheek on his ab, his ab butt. <laughs> that ab is so huge that is looks yeah. like a butt oh, crazy crazy <laughs> misty that you would observe that how could i not have seen that you know ah oh, man that's that's a good observant uh, you know uh, you you you, <laughs> you observed that bit of detail very well i don't know why i missed that but yeah, I mean, this girl, the, the way they draw her too, I mean, obviously she's the ideal female form, in at least in Don Newton's mind, but she also reminds me of someone, as if he based her off of an actress of the time, but I can't think about who. But hmm. she definitely looks like someone I've seen before, but I just can't place it. And Misty, don't you just love that panel where he goes before the Council of Elders and, you know, tells them that he wants out? And then there's this, uh, you know, Rihanna in the foreground just turning her face away with this tear streaming down her cheek. That yeah. panel is so emotional, so well done, and uh, conveys so much, but also so cruel at the same time. <laughs> this guy. Yeah, he's kind of sucks. He like she <laughs> been there for him since day one, nursing him back to health, showing him around the community. And he would rather put himself out in airlock and go back to an active war zone than like be hang with out her. with perfect, beautiful goddess in like peace, future peace land. Damn, yeah, that's, that's so. rough. He, he was like setting her up for a fall there. He's like manipulating yeah. her much like, uh, you know, Colonel Bauer in the first tale was manipulated. <laughs> this is like... Oh, well, no, but I'm, I'm glad that, you know, um, the story ended the way it did. I'm just saying that Rihanna should pick her men a little bit more carefully because this guy he definitely has a death wish or something. I don't know. Luckily, he amended his ways at the end. But Yeah, I hope they can find a job exciting enough for him down in Atlantic. <laughs> Undersea uh, city repair. <laughs> yeah, he can go weld the big dome that, it, that it's underneath. Exactly. Why not? Let, let him do that. Let him deal with the harsh, you know, creatures of the deep because he's obviously up for that. But yeah. what a tell, Misty. Now, all of these stories were gold. I, I enjoyed all of them. The first one still beats the other two by a narrow margin for me. But this one definitely, like you say, it has a happy ending. It has a very, it's a great way to, to finish off, you know, our weird war, like you, like you mentioned. But also uh, uh, now, you know, the situation in the world being what it is. It's also nice to like be done with war for a little bit, right? A war of We're a different done. kind. We're done with war and we also ended on a peaceful tale. That's right. That's right. Very appropriate listeners. I hope you also see it our way. For you war junkies out there, I'm sorry. More war is coming, <laughs> but maybe not from the long box of darkness. <laughs> but yeah, Misty, great tale. Now, 
Okay, so we're gonna do our favorite panels and favorite bits of dialogue and favorite stories just now, but first let's let's get the rating system out of the way. Now the rating system might have some explaining to do, Misty, but I'm sure that you can explain to listeners why I picked this. The rating system we have for this these three tales in Weird War Tales this month, listeners, is um, how many uh, would you give out of five, obviously, and the rating system that we're going with is five barbecued Nazi butts. <laughs> now, Misty, I picked this, but obviously you inspired me to pick that because what was it you said to me on Twitter the first time you read this issue? And what panel did you send to me from the first tale? Do you remember? Oh, my goodness. I I remember the panel. I don't remember if, what I said, but I remember sending you the panel. Okay. Was, is is it the last panel from that's, Funeral that's by Fire? Yeah, that's the last panel. Now, listeners, let, let's describe this panel to you because basically what Misty sent was... The, the, I wasn't even aware that you were picking this issue for this for this episode, but that was like way back when already. I think June, July already when you picked this. This is summer. Hot out. Yeah. And it was the panel where, obviously, what we've described earlier, where, you know, Colonel Bauer is, is consumed by flames... But before he's completely, you know, uh, you know, uh, burnt to a crisp, there's this panel where he sort of falls on his knees and begs. Uh, what's her name again? Misty Magda, right? Magda. Yeah, Magda to to show him mercy. And in that panel, it looks as if his Nazi pants has already his uniform has has been burned off of his buttocks, and mm-hmm. you just see this this nice round little baby butt being consumed by flame <laughs> and it really looks like he's he, he, they're showing nazi butt there being barbecued so it's we, like are those pants super duper tight maybe but it's like no no that's those are definite defined cheeks definitely. you know you see the butt crack you see yes. the the butt hair sizzling <laughs> going and up in smoke but yes exactly so misty i'm gonna let you speak first but i just want to explain to listeners that is why we were going with the butt the not barbecued but nazi butt rating system so misty when you when you give your rating you have to say i give this four out of five barbecued nazi butts okay so um now before we do the ratings though favorite panels favorite bits of dialogue i'm gonna let you go first misty do you have anything for us okay well magda i felt was a really great character I really liked her. Um, she is kind of like the evil demon seductress trope character where the supernatural creature, she's usually a demon or an alien or robot um, disguised as the sexy human female. Yeah. And she uses her sexuality and, and sexual wiles to manipulate, seduce, kill, and often eat <laughs> men. <laughs> eat their hearts. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it's kind of like that trope being used for good in this sense. Like she was a seductress, but not for evil, for good. So I liked that about her character is that she it wasn't just the typical like Black Widow scenario, you know, mm. like That's seduce a- them and lure them into her web and then eat them. You know, yeah. it's like really... Yeah. Seduce them, but like for good, to lure them, to kill them, but for a good reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
no, yeah. no, that's a, that's a very good point. I, I, I also think she's totally different than your normal, you know, uh, femme fatale, your normal, you know, Black Widow trope. She has something about her that makes her unique. And I think it's the combination of the fact that she's so wooden. And yet, even though she's so unemotional and unfeeling, the, the, the guy falls for her head over the heels, which is a testament to her supernatural power, right, Misty? But then she does show some very, very pure and, 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 and true emotion at the end when she finally gets her revenge on him. Look at those panels, I mean, where she's like... She's almost dancing with the two um, torches that she's holding in her hands. And then she's like crosses them, you know, uh, across her breast, you know, in a, in a sort of an X. And then yeah, her she eyes. She comes alive. Yeah. And then she sets the, the, the effigy ablaze. And then, you know, obviously we see Nazi butt. <laughs> two buttocks. <laughs> oh, man, it's great. And then Magda. Magda. <laughs> oh thud she falls on the ground thud and you know that final panel where she leaves and she she gives him the parting shot saying the score is settled my colonel it's mm-hmm. it looks like his corpse has been covered with lava you know he's completely yeah. been been devastated by flame yeah he's ashes he's, he's just ashes and rib cage exactly oh it's brilliant and uh no no all there's so many good panels here i'd be hard-pressed to pick one but if i had to go with one in this story i'd pick the one where you know all is revealed when he kicks open the door and he says got in himmel was is los and then magda's like mm, humming to herself <laughs> and she's like got her head thrown back and yeah. you know obviously looking Okay, now she doesn't look like she normally looks because she's wearing sort of a priestess kind of an outfit or a witch's. It's not a traditional witch's outfit. This looks like a priestess of some forbidden god, <clears throat> the outfit she's wearing. And then, you know, um, you know, her neck is revealed and she's throwing her head up against uh, to the ceiling. And you've got a picture of her dad on the wall. <laughs> Very appropriate. Yep. He's seeing what's happening here, getting yeah. his revenge. Nice touch. And the moon in the background. Gotta have the moon shining in. Exactly. And it looks like she stole a, a mannequin from a from a dime store, from a clothing store to, to be the effigy, you know, that she dressed up with the, the bits of clothing. <laughs> I don't know where she got that mannequin. <laughs> I mean, this is the 40s. It's faceless, though. It's faceless, yeah. though, which is creepy. So when it burns, you see there's this great panel of the faceless Nazi on fire. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's brilliant. No, so many good panels, Misty. You picked a winner. I love every scene in this comic. Even though some some pages the the art is a little bit wonky. Like if you look at in the in the second or third page. No, the third page of the the tale where we're introduced to Magda. Um there's some parts where she's drawn very unattractively. And I think this is page two, where he first sees her. She's drawn, her face is so elongated almost. But then the very next page, she's drawn alluringly again. And then the colonel is drawn with this elongated face when he says, no, I need a servant. Come with me. I'll show you your duties. He walks away, but it looks like he's, I don't know what's wrong with his face there. It's just <laughs> something weird about, I think the art there went a little bit off the chain, but. Uh, you know, and then um, what my point is, Magda's not drawn consistently, and neither is the Colonel. Yeah. Um, but you know, most of the time she's drawn very alluringly. She's very busty, <laughs> Misty. Yes, she is. Damn. Yes, she is. 
but mm-hmm. obviously she's drawn beautifully as well. I mean, um, she's never drawn uh, in a way that's sort of exploitative, I think, because she always keeps her clothes on. But there's the hint of her sexuality, of course, affecting the colonel through the clothes she wears. But it's not, I don't know, it's not, um, you know, tasteless. It's like she's wearing clothes that you would expect a witch to wear, a witch who's not up for covering her entire body like a nun. You know, someone who's like, we should be free, we should be willing to, to, to show who we are, you know, to show our beauty and not have it be, you know, appropriated by lustful men. She's got that kind of air about it, that air of superiority, like, I'm beautiful, but you can look, but you can't touch, you know, that kind of thing. I don't it's know. It's pretty, like, kind of, uh, her, her dress is pink, uh, not floor length. Maybe it sometimes it looks above her knees, sometimes it's below her knees. I think it's about calf, like a little bit below her knees. So it's not even it's not a short dress. It is just very low cut. It has that kind of like peasanty top, you know, that it's it's a very flattering neckline on her. (laughs) Oh, very very flattering. Yeah, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Like, she isn't really drawn that consistently in the beginning of the story. Mm. Um, And throughout either, yeah. Minor nitpick, minor nitpick, really. But, um, yeah, the artist Rubeni, I think is his name, um, uh, he drew many weird word stories, usually the smaller stories, but this is obviously the the story that headlines the, the issue. So he was at the forefront here. He did, you know, I think... Uh, drop the ball on a few panels there. His full name, by the way, is Ruben Yandok, and his artist name was Rubeni. Um, but um, I I like, you know, how he draws the Nazis. You know, he draws them like scum. <laughs> they look like these reprehensible dredges mm-hmm. of humanity, right, Misty? Uh, which is what I they just should look like. The colonel kind of looks like Nick Nolte. Oh, wow. <laughs> Great. Whoa. That is a, a very good comparison. He does. <laughs> this disheveled, rough-looking, you know, guy who's just gotten up and he's, he's, he has a hangover or something. Yeah. I mean, damn, that's a good one. Yeah. This is not the, the, the well-groomed Nick Nolte from Cape Fear, folks. <laughs> this is like <laughs> the, the homeless kind of uh, Hulk's dad from, from Ang Lee's Hulk, Nick Nolte. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah. all right, good, very good comparison there, Misty. So, um, you you can go first, Misty. How many burnt barbecued Nazi butts would you give the story out of five? <laughs> I'd give this story a five out of five. Mm, okay, good. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm. I almost agree with you. I'm gonna give this a four out of five burnt Nazi butts, just because of the the in, inconsistencies with the art a little bit. But it's definitely my favorite. So you know, since this is a four out of five, the rest are gonna have a little bit slightly lower score. But it doesn't mean I didn't like them. It just means I, you know, um, yeah, uh, it wasn't perfect for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, you know, you definitely picked a winner here. I enjoyed reading this just as much as I did the first issue 67 that we did a couple of uh, months back. So uh, four out of five for me, five out of five for you. That's for Mm -hmm. Funeral by Fire listeners. Now, what about the Toy Battle, Misty? What's your rating on that one? Oh, and do you have any favorite pages or 
dialogue there. I forgot to ask you about the toy battles. Oh. Favorite bits. Well, let's see. Um, favorite bits. Dialogue. The toy battle wasn't really my, like, not really, not a whole lot jumped out to me in that one. It was just kind of very short. Yeah. So I don't have too many notes on it. I'll just, I'll just give it, like, a three and a half out of five. Oh, okay, okay, good. Okay, I'm a little bit lower again. I gave this one a three. Okay. Uh, burned Nazi butts. Just because <laughs> some historical inconsistencies, plus very short, uh, even though they get the story across, a little bit predictable. I knew it was going to go this way, sort of, you know, having like some supernatural element. Uh, not precisely all the elements were predicted by me, but, you know, I, I sort of saw this one coming. So nothing special at the end, you know, nothing that made me gasp like for instance after the very first time i read the first story funeral by fire i did gasp at the very end there misty not just because of the burnt butt but because of you know the way she orchestrated this whole revenge plot against bauer yeah but, it's satisfying it's yeah, like very satisfying. satisfying this one has no satisfaction really because you don't really feel much for this old guy colonel moreau um, you know, because you're, it's too short. You don't get to like him. You just, he's just this old guy who, you know, wishes he did something different and, um, went insane because of it. So yeah, nothing special. So, um, three, for me, it's three out of five burnt Nazi butts for you. It's 3.5. <clears throat> so, so far, very consistent. Okay. Mm -hmm. Final tale, <clears throat> an outbreak of peace. What did you give that one? That one I've given a four out of five. Okay, great. Okay, this one is neck and neck for me. Four burned Nazi butts out of five as well because um, I enjoyed it just as much as I did reading the first story, even though the first story is still my favorite. The reason the first story is my favorite, but I don't want to rate it higher than this one, is because this one has more of a general appeal. You know what I mean, Misty? Where I could see more people liking this story than they possibly could like the first one because the first one is a very selfish very personal story of revenge right i mean you get the sense that she's not really out to to do the world a favor magda i mean she's out to just get revenge for her father which is fine but this yeah. story here has a has a, a a sort of more universal message to it saying that you know choose love not war turn your back on war it's kind of like that movie did you ever see that movie the thin red line no, I haven't seen it. Okay, I think it's on Netflix at the moment or somewhere. Um, it's uh, star Sean Penn and um, uh, Vin Caviezel. You know, a lot of guys that you know you don't see a lot anymore. But it's a war movie. But it's about you know it's not your typical warfare. It's not just Saving Private Ryan, which sort of has a takes a story and they want to set up some some wonderful war scenes with the story. You know, as background. This is more like people the horror of war and people turning their backs on war really and mm, trying to yeah. find moments of peace during the the hellish you know um cycles that they're you know of war that they're being subjected to so you you gotta watch it kind of it's got a real human element to it the thin red line um you know that guy has the same thing he wants to retreat to this idyllic society which is for some reason stuck in the middle in the south pacific there's this this island that just has these villagers who just swim and do pearl diving every day and this guy goes awol and just wants to join them and live you know with them and and then he's picked up by a ship and you know they find him and he's 
um, was thrown right back into the theater of war. So very nice story. That's my point. That's why I'm going to give it the same rating, even though I still like the first story more, because I like Tales of Revenge. This one has a, be a better message to it and great art. Amazing Don Newton yeah. art. Amazing art. Yeah, the art is the best in this story. I, I also really just liked the dialogue. I thought his character had some, some funny dialogue. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> you really got to me, Rihanna, baby. But it's no <laughs> that's, good. That's the best. And you know, then and he just automatically, he's the one who calls it Atlantis. They never do, right? He, he said, the ocean floor? You mean there really is an Atlantis? But he's in the South Pacific. Get your geography right, buddy boy. But uh, they just go with it. They say, "Oh, you know, we've, you know, you can describe any name you want to us, you know." So, um, and and you know, I don't. Yeah, you're right. His dialogue's classic, you know. Um, and I really the, the the kind of is romantic. There's like their silhouettes. One of my favorite panels is their silhouettes in front of the underwater backdrop where oh, yeah, beautiful. they're standing the fishes are swimming behind them and you really only see their silhouettes and then you see the illuminated fishes swimming behind them and i just imagine that being really romantic yeah. and you can really picture where where they are in that scene no it is it is really you're right it, the effect is you know palpable it's uh, you, you can't escape it the the way newton drew it it's beautiful and that's sort of like what makes the story bittersweet right misty is because you know it's it, there's this world away from the world where you know this pocket of peace away from you know this conflict conflagration or whatever you could call it that's happening on the surface world and uh you know you get the sense of peace and then you know when he returns there's this immediate um, you know, cessation of this 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 warlike environment when he just swims even for a few minutes right up. We don't know how far he swam, but <laughs> and then immediately he's like, "Okay, I've had enough of this bullshit. I'm heading back there." So mm -hmm. yeah, no, I, that I mean that part doesn't make sense for me. That's why I can't give it a five out of five. But you know, the abruptness of it, you know, the the decision he made. Although I could see that happening with me too, you know, but. Um, I would never want to return to war, though. But I, I sometimes I make a decision, and then immediately, you know, I turn that decision over. That's possible for me. Mm -hmm. So, and death in that one is the best, man. Death, <laughs> the the first page of the story with him posing as the diver, just hanging in the water, and then the last one's him swimming past Atlantis, saying, "I've had enough of this place. You know, hope nobody <laughs> else discovers it." <laughs> oh, <laughs> peace is overrated. <laughs> Gotta love death. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, gotta love weird war, the host death. <laughs> don't don't become yeah. part of the death cult, folks. Yeah. Yeah, so awesome, Misty. Now, great issue. You picked it. Uh, you should be commended. This is, this is a, a wonderful uh, comic that you gave us to read, and I'm glad you did. Thanks for that, Misty. Well, thank you, Herman. Thanks for reading it with me. Yeah, it was fun. So, listeners, um, we're done with the issue and with the main segment proper, but we'll be back. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to head straight on into something a little bit more lighthearted. You, for you long-time listeners, or you 2020 listeners, I should say, you should know what that is. But, um, yeah, hold on. We'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Thank you. 
A world on fire. An all-star squadron podcast. Join your hosts, Billy D. And Herman, as we take a deep dive into the seminal DC Comics series created by Roy Thomas and Rich Buckler. We'll be covering the series issue by issue, spotlighting our favorite characters. And talking about the historical tie-ins as well. So join us every month in A World on Fire and All-Star Squadron podcast. Coming in December 2020 to a podcatcher near you. Right, listeners, we're back with Misty's Funny Bone. Misty, this is a very popular segment. Most of the the reviewers and people who've given us feedback have commented on it. They love it. It gives a welcome bit of uh, lighthearted lightheartedness to horror. And uh, we love our horror comedies. You love your horror comedies. So uh, you're, you're the ideal person to regale us with this kind of thing. So what do you have for us this week? Okay, so I've got two maybe three jokes the first joke goes like this (laughs) (laughs) what's the difference between venice and the lost city of atlantis the difference well i can see the similarities you know both are sinking well one has sunk one is sinking but the difference Mm, no gondoliers in Atlantis. That may be true. Uh, <laughs> do you want to know the answer? Yes, please. <laughs> so, what's the difference between Venice and the city of Atlantis? I'm guessing about two or three years. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's harsh. Oh, Misty, damn. That is so mean. I hope any of you Venetians out there don't take offense. <laughs> Our Venetian listeners. It's probably sunk all it's going to sink by now, you know. It, it'll, maybe it'll be fine. No, no, no. Misty, we've <laughs> lost them. They're saying, Arrivederci, long box of darkness. <laughs> <laughs> they just need to get some uh, really hy- hyped up frogmen to build them a glass dome underwater and oh. they'll be good. <laughs> oh, brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. They've got a lot to learn from this story. So actually, we're helping them. We're helping them mm-hmm. along. Oh, nice one, Misty. <laughs> Uh, and you, you know, you could also say the same thing about Florida or probably other places around the world that are just thinking now because of global warming. Global... That's right, <laughs> global warming that some people have denied, but hopefully does not deny anymore. Or they'll be forced into accepting it now. Hopefully. <laughs> yes. Now we have. Uh, yep. Competent got, leaders. Yeah, competent leader. We got so we'll deal with coronavirus and then we'll move on to global warming and then move on from there to other issues you know yeah they don't ask me they don't they never call me and ask me about these things but i'm assuming that's what 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 we'll do hopefully. (laughs) hopefully well according to your twitter account they should be asking you you should be on those panels misty so uh Take note, any of you high-profile politicians out there. (laughs) 
Yeah, you should follow me on Twitter and just do what I suggest. Yeah, Misty Wisdom's up for grabs, and it's free. That's the best of best news. It's free on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> or so, Misty. Oh, what else do you have? I'm I'm eager to 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 have more humor in my life. Come on. <laughs> okay, more humor. One humor coming up. What? <laughs> What martial arts did Aquaman learn in Atlantis? Um, Aquafu. No, no, no. I don't know. Crab Maga. Crab Maga. Crab Crab Maga. Oh my goodness, that's a classic. Oh, I love it. Crab Maga. Crab Maga. Hopefully not Crab Maga. But, um, no, no, it's Maga. Like <laughs> that's right, Maga. Maga. Make Crab Atlantis Maga. great again <laughs> with Crab Maga. We're done now. We're so we're all done. It's so good. We're all done. Oh, brilliant, okay. Misty! Brilliant. Oh, I'm laughing. I'm really laughing. I'm Yay, enjoying myself. Thank you. Yes. Oh, good. But if uh, if my math is correct, you've still got another one. Well, I do have one more, but it's kind of sad. Oh. Um, <laughs> like a sad joke. It's not sad, but in an, I don't know if I want to, like, I feel like we should leave our okay. listeners. Let's leave them on a high note and then leave the sad one for when we do something sad about Atlantis probably one day. I mean, these jokes have all been about Atlantis, so I'm thinking this one is yeah. too, isn't it? Yeah, we just we've we've all had enough of... We've all had a rough week, so I'm just gonna we're gonna leave it at Crab Maga. Crab Maga is brilliant. <laughs> uh, you know, Misty, you've dropped two you know really great depth charges here, which is is really made an impact on my night. So I'm saying, yeah, we'll leave it with this. I'm very happy with what I got from you this time around. I'm sure the listeners are too, <laughs> folks. Misty's okay. funny bone, always good. Thanks, Misty. It's put me in a, in another good mood. I was in a good mood when we started the show, and now it, it's been elevated. I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, listeners, we'll head on into our next segment, our final segment, which is our Inbox of Darkness. So stay tuned. Don't go away. For our inbox of darkness, Misty, this one's all up to me because I didn't send you any of the feedback we got. I apologize for that, but uh, we did get uh, quite a bit. I'm gonna. We didn't get any emails though, and we didn't get any voicemails, which I've been clamoring for. So come on, long box of darkness listeners, give us some some of the good stuff. Tell us what uh, short Christmas horror comic stories you want to hear. Yeah, that's what you mentioned earlier. Definitely do that, folks. We'd love to do a Christmas horror show, and uh, we'd love your opinions. So please send that in to us. And also, if there's any funny bone jokes you want us to air that you want Misty to read uh, on the podcast, please do do so. You know, send in your own huh? horror jokes. I should ask people more. I'll I'll do that more on Twitter. I'll remind people. Send me your Twitter hunt funny. Twitter jokes. Yeah, oh my please. Your funny hard jokes. The horror community out there funny must have. Yes, thank you. Yeah, they must have quite a quite a few. I mean, I mean, you just just look on the internet. There's dozens, but we want some listener participation here. So we're not yeah. going to keep trolling the nets. Come on, guys. Anyway, 
Uh, we got some good feedback, Misty. An iTunes review from two friends of the show. Um, it was uh, given to us on the 24th of August, so already a while ago, but this is the first time we're mentioning it. And it was given by Brad and Lisa from the podcast called The Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. Uh, quite a good title, Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. It's a good podcast. I've listened to it. It's it's definitely uh, one that's that's that I always listen to once a new episode comes onto the feed immediately. Um, I've only recently started listening to them. I listened to them way back, I think it was in 2018 or something, when they did a couple of episodes of, of Swamp Thing. But, you know, then, obviously, like like most general comic book podcasts, they sometimes cover stuff you hadn't read. You know what I mean, Misty? And, and then sometimes I don't listen to subsequent episodes because I hadn't read the books. And I, you know, if I'm going to read them, I don't want spoilers. But I, I kept it on my feed. I kept being a subscriber. So every now and then when they had something horror related, I listened to them. And then I was surprised to see them, you know, giving us a review. And what they said was, this is probably from Brad, uh, warm, thoughtful chatter. Really appreciate the point of view of the long box of darkness celebratory passionate informative absolutely warm and inviting conversation click that subscribe button and i'm glad that they mentioned that we're warm and inviting right misty <laughs> it's weird that yeah. the long box of darkness is warm um, and inviting yeah yeah but Maybe if you're magda crypt like or very crypt like but if you're magda yeah. setting the crypt on fire i guess that could count as warm <laughs> yeah. yeah we got burned nazi butts in here oh, yeah keeping definitely it, keeping it nice and toasty lots of but what, what did we call it nazi buttwurst <laughs> burnt barbecue <laughs> nazi buttwurst <laughs> who doesn't like that okay <laughs> so uh thanks brad and lisa and then you know i can plug their show a little bit misty um they recently they did an interview they that's that's their most recent show i think it is um uh, with Bria Grant, which is a lady who's written two films and she's also been acting in several films, Bria Grant. And sh this lady, she wrote, also wrote and created a graphic novel uh, published by Six Foot Press and it's called Mary, The Adventures of Mary Shelley's Great-Great-Great-Great-Great-Great-Granddaughter. <laughs> so obviously Mary Shelley being the, the writer of uh, Frankenstein. This is um, them... Oh, well, Bria Grant, this lady that Brad and Lisa interviewed on their most recent episode of Comic Book Couples Counseling. And uh, so if you want to know more about this horror-related title of Mary, the Adventures of Mary Shelley's great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-granddaughter, you got to listen to this episode, folks. Um, so I plug that. And also, if you want, go back to 2018, if you're only in it for the horror, and listen to four um episodes that brad and lisa did on swamp thing the bronze age swamp thing then the saga of the swamp thing written by alan moore my favorite and then the vertigo era of swamp thing by written by guys like grant morrison and um brian k vaughn and then obviously the new 52 swamp thing so um give them a listen uh long box of darkness listeners and i'm sure you would get you know a thrill out of many of their episodes so, Misty, uh, then we've got a comment from a guy who's been a longtime listener, Darren Murphy. He sent us a comment on Twitter um, and he chatted with you a little bit. But basically, his initial comment was centered around our Halloween EC Comics episode. And Darren said that he's been listening to all of our episodes again recently. 
and he's caught up to to our most recent one and he's very excited for the future of the podcast thanks for creating such an innovative and interesting show um love darren so darren we appreciate that man you've always been a great friend to us and supporting us on twitter both you know the long box of darkness and into the weird and um uh, if any of your listeners are interested in following Darren, you can do so. He's at Blue Gothamite on Twitter. So do that. Follow him. You'll have some great conversations. So that's basically all I have for the Inbox of Darkness. I have another one, Misty, um, that was written to us, but I'm going to leave that in the show notes as well. All I'm going to say is a Poe fan contacted us. He DM'd me on Twitter and he said he, he loved our Poe episode you know, that we did on The Mask of the Red Death. Yeah. he's got a short film that he's been working on, and I'm going to drop the link to that short film in our show notes and um, on our podcast feed and also on our website. So listeners, please check out our blog at www.longboxofdarkness.com and also check the the iTunes and uh, the Podbean feed where you can find our show. There will be a link there that I put in to um, let you go to this trailer that he's dropped on YouTube for this uh, Poe movie, the short film that he's been working on. Um, So, uh, yeah, Misty, basically that's all I have uh, for our feedback. And like I say, no uh, emails. We prefer emails, but hey, we'll take what we can get, right? (laughs) Yeah, we'll take what we can get for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, if you want want to follow this guy on Twitter, though, this this Poe fan, he's at... uh, let me see here. Um, Telltale Film. He's at Telltale Film um, on Twitter. And you can follow that. He's, he gives regular updates on his film, regular bits of the movie that he's previewing in trailers. So, um, yeah, give that a is, look. Is he doing the Telltale Heart? Yeah, I think that that's definitely the one he's doing. Yeah, the Telltale Heart in a short form movie format. Cool. So, um, one of the best Poe tales. Not my favorite, but... Definitely one of the most well-known ones out there. So I don't know how you feel about that, Misty, but it sounds like something that's right up your alley, right? Well, I love that story, and I would definitely love to check it out. It's always good to see another adaptation of Poe. There, there just can't be enough, you know. It just yeah, keep them coming for all forever. Definitely, yeah. Keep keep the Poe love going, and um, mm-hmm. we'll also do that, Misty. Like you and I have still got tons of Poe comics to talk about. In fact, uh, we've yeah. tracked down. Like we mentioned in our Poe episode, we've we wanted to talk about you know all if we can all the adaptations of the Mask of the Red Death in comic book form, and and we've managed to track down at least eighty percent of them, right? Mm-hmm. So we might you know do a supplemental episode one one day in the future, maybe on the anniversary of our Poe episode, <laughs> one year anniversary. You know what we, could do? we could rank them. We could have an episode where we rank our favorite like top five Poe yeah. adaptations of the Mask of the Red Death because it would just have to be that one title because just even in that one title there's so many different adaptations of it exactly so yeah do like a ranking episode <laughs> that's that's right we're gonna have to do that there's so many ideas that we've got floating around misty you're, you're coming up with all the good ideas i should mention i'm sort of like it's, it's almost as if i've been burnt out but now you're galvanizing me a little bit i'm basically you're dr frankenstein and i'm the frankenstein monster that you're sort of <laughs> trying to to revitalize here um, I'm on the slab. <laughs> You're attaching <laughs> nodes to my heads and electrodes and waiting for the lightning. 
But um, yeah, thanks, Misty, for that. You've got we've got tons of things coming up in the future of the show. So, Misty, where can folks find you on Twitter? Before we say goodbye, where can they follow us for the for the most up to date horror discussions that they're ever you know going to encounter? Where can they when can they look for that? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Misty G Comics, and I talk about I I always like RT vintage horror comic covers and i'll talk about our podcast i sometimes talk about politics a little bit um but i try to keep it mostly horror comic content related but you know there's some of my personality in there too so yeah just follow me if it's not your thing don't follow me that's cool too but yeah um misty g comics on twitter excellent excellent misty yeah and uh, you can follow our show at dark Longbox. we're on twitter as well um, that's actually my personal account, but you know I'm trying to keep it show related. Um, all about horror comics, and then also I'm at Into Weird, where I do another podcast about Marvel Bronze Age weirdness with Billy Delicious, our other Twitter buddy. And um, yeah, check out our website again, like I mentioned at longboxofdarkness.com. We'll be posting some show notes as well as some images from this title right misty that we've been doing um some of our favorite panels a panel that's definitely gonna make it in there is the the not nazi barbecued butt worst panel (laughs) (laughs) gotta show the listeners who doesn't have the issue what just what we're talking about (laughs) butt worst (laughs) yes well i mean uh, if there's 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 no better term for it than that i'm thinking so (laughs) yeah it's perfect they like that should have been the title instead of funeral by fire death by fire just butt worst (laughs) (laughs) butt worst (laughs) well that butt is the worst and it's uh, German sausage well (laughs) barbecued to a very crispy sheen but uh, yeah courtesy of our girl Magda (laughs) so Misty very enjoyable discussion again I had a blast and um, I'm hoping we can pick this up again. We're, we're going to have another episode for you, listeners. So look forward to that. And um, should we spoil it a little bit, Misty, and tell them what we've got planned? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. just a little bit. Just one word. We just need to say one word, listeners. Charlton. Okay. Charlton. <laughs> Charlton. 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 Not Prince Charleston. No, Charlton. no, no. Charlton. 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 If you're a horror comics fan, that's all you need. That's all the only word you need. I mean, Charlton. Charlton. That's it. That's right. <laughs> Brilliant, Misty. You say it better than I do, so I'll leave it. Leave it with your your version of Charlton. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna learn that I said colonel weird later and just be listen listening back to this episode like oh my god listen we can't change it misty <laughs> colonel will be the new thing now for us you know like any nazi any nazi bastard out there i'm I don't say, why do we say colonel when it's pronounced colonel this is a whole can of worms twitter let message me on twitter <laughs> tell me why we say colonel and not colonel and how do you say it how do you say it listeners let me know Oh my goodness, we're inviting a whole... Hey, we're opening up whole new avenues for new fans and listeners here. You know, we're we're not just opening up to horror comics, we're also opening it up to uh, etymologists, right, Misty? <laughs> the word colonel just sounds weird in my mouth. Like, it just says, it feels weird to say it. Colonel. Colonel. Well, that's because we're not Nazis. We're not German, Misty. <laughs> Even though my name's oh. Herman. <laughs> right. 
Perfect. Yeah, well. Anyway, listeners, it's been a blast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for, you know, uh, listening to Misty and I ramble on about all kinds of uh, ways of cooking Nazi, you know, butt. And um, we'll be back with some more cooking tips um, in our next episode, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, keep it creepy, keep it cool, and uh, keep it horror. And we'll see you again in a couple of weeks' time. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.